Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Anxiety and rest. Hebrews chapter 4. If we are going from the Garden of Eden far um, to your far left uh, over to eternal glory, the Garden of Eden on steroids, the Garden of Eden um, much multiplied over on this side with the Lord forever, uh, what we have in the structure of the Bible as we look at Hebrews Four, we have Hebrews 4 right here, the book of Hebrews, looking back through the Old Testament and specifically talking about an event back here in the book of Numbers when the people had the opportunity to go into the promised land, Numbers 13, Numbers 14, when Joshua and Caleb came back and gave a good report, when the other ten spies came back and gave an evil report, and the people went with the ten spies. And then the Lord essentially cursed them and said that those people would not get to go to the rest of the promised land, to their rest in the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. And then in the middle of the Bible, in the middle, sort of between the Garden of Eden and heaven forever, you have the Psalms. And in the Psalms, you have Psalm 95. So Psalm 95 is talking about that event and the, 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 that generation that died in the desert. They did not make it to rest and expresses it so we can sing about this. Joyful things in the first part of it, disturbing things in the latter part of it. And then, then Hebrews picks up on it and helps prepare us so that we look forward to that rest forever. So the believer's rest is uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews. Let's stand and I'll read Hebrews chapter 4. Hear God's word. His word, this is his word, holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, the very word of God. Therefore, let us fear if... While a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since there remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, 
if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains, there, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fail through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of sword and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would apply these words by the power of your Spirit who had them written down that you would apply them to our hearts and make us more like Christ and give us confidence to come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we begin with confidence at, at one end, but we began with fear. So we begin with fear, we end with confidence. How does this all fit together in one fairly short chapter? Therefore, so there... I picked out four therefores. There are more than therefores and fours in here, but so four fours uh, I'm choosing that sort of divide the passage up into four sections, uh, four fours that focus on faith. You know that Hebrews 11 is about faith. We talked about Hebrews 12 being about faith last week, uh, and now we are, we are still talking about faith in this book of Hebrews. So it's all about faith. I mean, it's all about Jesus, but it's about faith in Jesus and faith that in, in brings about obedience, trust and obey. So fear of falling short begins in verse 1, first, the first five verses, but begins in verse 1. Therefore, let us fear while a promise remains of entering his rest. Now, if we're all gathered here, it's pretty clear we're not yet in heaven. I know, Philbert's close, but I, you know, it, we're not in heaven, it not, it not even to be compared, of course. I mean, heaven is rest, and we're struggling. We're, we're struggling with our own lives. We're struggling with our nation. We're struggling with our families. We're struggling with sin, primarily, our own sin and sins of others against us. We're struggling, and, and so we haven't gotten there yet. 
We're in the picture from Numbers 13 and 14. We're still wandering our way through the wilderness. Now, Jesus is leading us, and the rock who's with us is Christ, and he gives us the water from the rock, which is Christ, and he is the manna from above. And so we, I mean, we've got lots of protection going through this wilderness, but we're not there yet. We have not yet crossed the Jordan. And, you know, that's why all, so many of our gospel songs uh, have the Jordan, because it's, it's talking about death. It's talking about what happens after death. It's talking about looking forward to the rest in heaven. If we're going to get from here, going through the wilderness to the end, what are we going to need? Well, we're, we're going to need faith. And if we're going to get... So you, you see in verses four, 1 through 5 here, for indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. Presbytery, yesterday somebody was asking about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Well, they got the gospel in the Old Testament. That's what this verse is saying. And we got the gospel in the, Old Test- in the New Testament, in New Testament times. And even though they got the gospel, they didn't make it into the promised land. They, they were told, you're going to die in the desert, and they died in the desert. We've got the same gospel they had, pointing forward to Jesus, only we know a whole lot more about it because we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. we got the rest of it down to Revelation. So we've got, they're looking through a glass darkly, you might say. We, we've got it. It's clear. Jesus is there. He is our high priest. Now, let's not miss getting into heaven. Not miss. So, therefore, let us fear, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith. So all of us are here. Probably all of you are hearing my voice. The people looking at it on the computers and so forth, somewhere else as well. But... You're, you're hearing my voice, as, and as I stumble around to talk about the gospel, if I stumble around to talk about Jesus, you're hearing the good news that salvation is in Jesus alone, and you have to put your faith in And you've heard this over and over again with the baptism, with, Jesus, with, uh, with uh, Dave pointing to Jesus in the gospel. You know that to hear the word, you've got to unite faith with it. That's what verse two is saying toward the end but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard for we who have believed so if you have faith in Christ alone for your salvation then you will enter the rest that's clear in verse three for we who have believed enter that rest just as he said as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest in verse four for he has said somewhere that God rested. So God rested in creation after the six days of creation. Jesus finished his work and has sat down and is resting now, waiting for us to get through with our pilgrimage. Um, faith, it's all about faith, believing and obeying God, believing what God says and doing what God says, believing and acting upon it. Rest, it's, it's getting to the end. It's, it's perseverance. Preservation, yes, God preserves us, but for, for us, we're working on perseverance. It's about a pilgrimage with a rest at the end. Rest. It's looking forward to, the, to return to the Garden of Eden 
that we've been blocked out of, and there was no way back until the blood of Jesus was shed. Uh, Since the resurrection of Christ, we rejoice that he has purchased that rest and is seated, waiting for our arrival there. The key is faith. Looking at verses 6 through 11. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. Of course, the reason they disobeyed is they didn't believe, and they acted upon their disbelief. He again fixes a certain day today. So this comes forward to Joshua, and it comes forward to us. And you may know that if you have King James, you may have it. Um, Hebrews 4, 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, the word is Jesus. Is it, you, Jesus is the word in the Greek because the name Jesus and the name Joshua are the same name he saves. For if Joshua had given them rest, he wouldn't have talked about another rest. But you have, re- you have rest. So let's, let's see what we can learn from the people in the Old Testament. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 13 and 14. As you're turning there, I'll, I'll just point out that you have spies picked out from the 12 tribes. The tribes are listed there, uh, Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Issachar, 12 tribes. And two of those fellows are um, Caleb and Joshua, or Hoshea, the son of Nun from Ephraim. Hoshea is Joshua. Uh, and so they... they, they in verse 25, 13, 25, they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. Um, verse 27, thus they told him, said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Anakim. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, that's the south land, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Caleb is speaking on the basis of faith. He knows that Abraham was given a promise. He knows that after 430 years to the very day, God began keeping that promise in a special way. And we've gotten to this point where they're on the border at Kadesh Barnea, and it is time to go in. And the spies have found out exactly what the promise was, that it would be a land of uh, flowing with milk and honey. And, And now they're looking at their circumstances and saying, we can't do that. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him, with Caleb and Joshua, said, we are not able. Well, of course they weren't able, but God was able. We are not able to to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land. So the people agreed with uh, with the ten spies, with the majority, um, and... Uh, then Moses, in, in 14.5, Moses and Aaron fall on their faces in the presence of the assembly. 
Um, and then it got so bad that in verse 10, but all the congregation said to stone them, Moses and Aaron, with stones. Then, if you want to mark something in this section, you could mark 14.10, the second sentence. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. And part of what he says in verse 21 is, As I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 26 and following, I'll just start in verse 29. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. In other words, they're not going to reach the rest. Even though they've been through the Red Sea. Even though they, they have celebrated the Passover. Even though they're circumcised. Even though they're in church, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all your numbered men, according to the complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. And surely you shall not come into the land which I swore, in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would be a prey, that was part of their lecture, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness, in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds. Uh, Verse um, 34, according to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt one year, a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. Verse 37, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. They didn't get 40 years. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive out of those men who went to spy out the land. The key is faith, trust and obey. The key is faith, faith that ushers in obedience and not disobedience. Four soils. We heard a testimony yesterday. Young man uh, becoming a pastor in the process of going going through that. Uh, Young man saying that he uh, had gotten involved, had started hunting for the gospel essentially, uh, and had gotten involved in Christian work in in college, uh, specifically FCA, had been sent off uh, to a camp, FCA camp, and was placed in leadership uh, in the camp. And the leader, the leader of the camp, the speaker for the FCA camp, spoke about the four soils, the soar and the soils, um, the word of God, the seed, uh, God himself being the soar, Jesus, the Holy Spirit being the soar, the Trinity, uh, and then there are different soils. So as he, being a Christian leader, but not yet a Christian, being convicted of his sin, but he just didn't know what to do with it yet. So he listens to this speaker speaking to the other FCA students and hears him talk about uh, those who had the word jerked away, just right away from the de- by the devil, and those who looked like they were you know, it started growing plants, starting, you know, had little green plants growing up, uh, but then, then, then that died away, and then 
than those who actually had pretty good plants, the third group, but the worries of the world just smothered that. And he sat there and he said, I know I am soil number three. And he became a believer that day at the FCA camp. That's what I'm presenting to you. Same, same soaring the seeds that we have with Children's Challenge not too long ago. To produce fruit, have faith that ushers in obedience. Faith that ushers in. It's a root that ushers in the fruit. So you go on through Hebrews chapter 4, and you realize uh, you don't have much to bring before God. What if God looked at all the little parts of your body, spiritually speaking? Your Bible exam. Now, Dave helped give that young man and another young man an, an, an exam, um, uh, asking questions about the Bible and Christian life and so forth, testimony. But what if God were asking you questions about your life, things that are really, really deep within you, um, your Bible exam, a, a sword search, a, a search, by, verses 12 through 13. For the Word of God... For, that, that for at the beginning is like a therefore. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden, hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. It's like a sword. So you, you go to meet with God Almighty. Like in the desert, he shows up before the people. The glory of the Lord was right there. Well, you, you're standing before the glory of the Lord. And, and what do you have to offer? He, the bad news is that God sees all the dirt. He sees all the fear. He sees all the filth. He sees all those things that you don't even want to believe are there, but, but deep down inside you know are there. He sees it all. You are more worse than you think. Ruth gave me a, a, a book just recently that was about our pastor in, in seminary, um, Jack Miller, uh, and the name of the book is Cheer Up. Because Jack went around saying frequently, cheer up, you're a worse sinner than you ever dared think. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Now that's, that's Hebrews 4. That's getting all the way to the end of Hebrews 4. That's, that's the theme of the Bible story book we're, we're studying, the, the book we're studying, Gentle and Lowly, on, on Wednesday mornings and Wednesday nights. This is the theme of gentle and lowly. You don't deserve Jesus' presence. You don't deserve anything but but your, your corpse to fall in the desert. But by grace, that's not what you get because you've been given faith. You have an understanding mediator, a personal, loving, high priest Verse 14, therefore, for the fourth 
Therefore, I've chosen out of more than that. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that sounds real unapproachable, doesn't it? A great high priest who has passed through the heavens. By the way, I think that lets us know very clearly in my way of understanding the word there is dia, like diameter. You go through something, went through the heavens. There's an edge to the the universe. Not that I understand it, but all that stuff's created. This is getting beyond that. He went through the heavens that Jesus, the Son of God, great high priest, the Son of Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He is not a deist God. He's not, he's not an idol up there. He's not just interested. I mean, he is in that joy that he looked forward to, to, to please God and to sit down in the completion of his messianic work as being the Messiah. When he did that, an important part of that is to know that he had the joy of bringing you along with him. That's the theme of our book, right? That's, that's what we've been studying in general and lowly. Um, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So you think about that temptation that you're worrying about and that you're struggling with. He says, I, I understand. I'm, I'm right there with you, and I can help you because I love you, and I want to be with you, and I am with you, and I want you to be with me forever. Keep persevering. Stay on the, stay on the pilgrimage. Keep moving. I'll be with you. God sees it all, sees all your sins. So come. The more you look to God in his word, the more you recognize what a terrible turncoat you are. No, we can't go in. We're too afraid. Those guys are too big. I can't do that. But then you hear Jesus say that, you know, Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Don't give up. Don't turn away. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'm gentle. I'm lowly. I'm humble. I'm meek. You will find rest for your souls now as well as in eternity in the future. The whole purpose of the priesthood from the time of the Garden of Eden is to provide a way for sinners to return to God. They were kicked out of the garden. We humans were kicked out of the garden. And we weren't allowed to go back into the garden Unless a way were prepared. So that's what the whole priesthood is about. Is to take people who have sinned. Who have, who have unintentionally killed. Who have, uh, who have done so many terrible things. But to provide a way that by shedding blood and doing things the way God said to do them. Looking forward to Jesus. You would be able to, to go past those flaming swords of the cherubim. There at the, at the Garden of Eden at the gate. And so when Jesus died, what happened? You have this curtain that kept us away from the glory of God in the temple where the priest could only go in for a little bit at a time. You know, they put bells on his, on his clothing so they wanted to be sure that God hadn't struck him dead because it was a scary thing to do to go in there. But because of that curtain, because that curtain had the cherubim there to remind you that these pe- that the cherubim, you cannot come into the presence of God unless you have your sins forgiven. So when Jesus died, you know what happened to the cherubim? 
<laughs> they got torn apart and the, the split down the middle, pushed aside <coughs> to say, let my sheep come in. I'm bringing my sheep through because this veil is my flesh and I'm shedding my blood so that you and I, as sinful as we are, if we hear the gospel and come by faith in Jesus, we have absolutely free access to the very presence of God with no fear, no fear, because he's your father. He has adopted you. You should be shut out, but Christ understands when you humble yourself and come to the throne of grace, you will receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. One of my professors quoted somebody else as he's writing about this. He said, only Christianity can give sinful creatures the boldness to present themselves to God. Christ crucified. Christ risen. Christ seated at the throne of grace. Christ looking at you, knowing your deepest longing and your anxiety, and your confusion, and your worry, and sometimes your rebellion, your struggles, your questions. He sees your deepest longings. He, feed, he feels your every need. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thy, thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. Simply trusting thee, Lord, thee, Lord Jesus, I behold thee as thou art, and thy love, so pure, so changeless, satisfies my heart, satisfies my deepest longings. That is what Hebrews 4 teaches. Meets and supplies my deepest needs compasseth me, that's a big word, <laughs> all around me, put all around me, blessings. Thine is love indeed. Come to Jesus. Numbers 13 and 14, very difficult, disconcerting story. Numbers 21, and that's what the children's challenge page has that you could fill in, not a very good sketch there, but that's Numbers 21 where Moses just points to Jesus. He points to the brazen serpent, uh, to, uh, to anybody who looked at the bronze serpent on the staff was cured of the snake bite. And so I say to you, if you will look to Jesus, you will be cured in, fa in faith, wrapping up yourself in faith, if you live by faith then you will be healed from the bite of the snake, the bite of the serpent, the devil, our great enemy. Because Jesus is our best friend, and there's no comparison in the power. He's got you in his heart. He's got you in his arms. Let's pray.